Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. In the Christian year, today is called Trinity Sunday. It is the day that we proclaim the mystery of our faith in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one in three and three in one. This celebration of Trinity Sunday began among Western Christians in the 10th century and developed slowly until then a pope formally established it as a Christian festival in the 1300s. Trinity Sunday is a little bit different than the festivals of our faith. It stands out in the Christian year because as opposed to celebrating an event that happened in the Bible, Trinity Sunday is a celebration of a doctrine. It is a celebration of something that we believe. If you were in worship last Sunday, then you'll sense the difference between last Sunday's festival and this Sunday's festival. Last Sunday was what we called Pentecost, and it is the day that we remember the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church in a rush of mighty wind. Last Sunday was about an event. Last Sunday, scripture was read proclaiming the event we were celebrating. And we do this on the other festivals of our faith at Christmas and Easter, the baptism of the Lord. We remember events and we read the scriptures that share those events with us. But today is about a belief. It is actually the culmination of the journey that we've been on since Advent, where we've followed the trajectory of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. Theologian N.T. Wright puts it this way, in the church's year, Trinity Sunday is the day where we stand back from these extraordinary sequence of events that we've been celebrating for the previous five months, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Good Friday, Easter, Ascension, Pentecost. Trinity Sunday is when we stand back and rub the sleep from our eyes and discover what the word God might actually mean. And so that is our invitation this Trinity Sunday as we approach our scripture, to take a step back and consider what it means to say God in light of the journey we've experienced between Advent and Pentecost. Who is this God we worship? This God who comes to us like a blind beggar with wounds in his hands, a God who comes to us in wind and fire, in bread and wine, in flesh and blood, a God who says to each of us, you did not choose me, I chose you. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 28. It is commonly referred to as the Great Commission, where Jesus charges the disciples with a grand task. This is also where we get what is called the baptismal formula. 
These are the words that we use every time we baptize a child into a family of faith. And this scripture is a good reminder for us that the triune God is the basis of all we are and all we do as Christians. In the name of this triune God, we are baptized. And as the baptized ones, we bear the name of the triune God in our very being. So as we turn to scripture, let us pray. O mysterious one, three in one and one in three, we ask that you open something new to us as we hear your scripture read and proclaimed this morning. May, we, may you reveal something new of yourself to each of us. And having heard your living word, may we go out prepared to live these words in this world you so dearly love. Amen. So listen now to what the Spirit is saying to her church this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been with family for the last week, including six nieces and nephews. And one morning, we were all gathered around the table eating breakfast, and I watched those six nieces and nephews scarf down their bowls of cinnamon toast crunch. And most of the kids finished their cereal and then ran off to play or get ready for the beach. But Lee, my nine-year-old nephew, took his time until it was just the two of us left at that table. I made some small talk, but he wasn't quite interested in what I had to say, so I just assumed he didn't want to be bothered. But after he shoveled a few more bites into his mouth and there was nothing but milk left in his cereal bowl, he was ready to talk. He looked up at me and he said, Aunt Betsy, when you get up to speak for your job, do you ever lie? I could have imagined a lot of questions coming from him, but I couldn't have imagined that one. So I came back with my best response, and I said, that is a really interesting question, Lee. What made you ask that? And he said, if you talk so much and tell so many stories, then how can you be sure that everything you say is true? Do you know that every detail is true before you get up and say it? In other words, do you ever lie? It was the perfect setup to talk about the difference between lying and embellishing when telling a story. And we'll see if he has already tried to educate his parents on that distinction. I did tell him just how much the Bible doesn't say. That some stories in the Bible are only a few sentences with sparse details, which means that we have to imagine the world that lives just between the words. Take the scripture Jesus wept, I told him. 
Imagine all the questions we can ask about that simple detail. Was Jesus an ugly crier? Did he immediately reach for Kleenex or did he let the tears flow? Did someone come offer him a hug and a shoulder or did Jesus prefer to cry alone? Imaginations could run wild building out the story of those two words. Lee nodded. I think I understand what you're saying. And before I could say anything else, he was off to gather his cousins for a bike ride. He was not so interested in continuing that conversation. What I love about that innocent question, though, is that it points to something I think we all yearn for at one point or another in the life of faith. Do you ever lie, he asked. What lives right underneath the surface of that question is a desire for certainty, a desire for truth. We want to know what we can count on. He was asking about stories, but he may as well have been asking me about the Trinity. Do you ever lie? In other words, how can you be sure that what you say is true? Have you ever spent time wanting for certainty in faith? I've certainly gotten caught up wondering what can be, what is true in this life of faith. And the Trinity is one of those things that forces the desire for certainty pretty quickly because it is so unnatural to what we know of the world. How can God be three persons but still one God? I can remember how it was taught to me in Sunday school. The Trinity is like water, the teachers told me. It can be liquid, ice, or steam, three distinctly different forms, but all the same substance. There you have it, the Trinity. Emily uses a different illustration when she teaches our youth. She shows them an object where the sides are all distinctly different colors and textures, yet it is the same object. Three in one, one in three. Maybe you have your own illustrations that have been helpful for understanding this complex belief of ours. That is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, explaining the Trinity is still an exercise in translation. We cannot ever say more than the Trinity is like, because there is no natural equivalent. The time we spend trying to describe and comprehend what the Trinity means for our faith is a testament to how important this doctrine is, but perhaps more accurately, it's a testament to our desire for certainty. We want to know what we can count on. What if we've gotten so fixated on wanting to understand the Trinity and how it works that we've missed the invitation waiting for us in plain sight? Using N.T. Wright's words again, he says it this way. You see, the doctrine of the Trinity, properly understood, is as much a way of saying we don't know as it is of saying we do know. To say that the true God is three and one is to recognize that if there is a God, then of course we shouldn't expect him to fit neatly into our little categories. If he did, he wouldn't be God at all, merely a God, a God we might perhaps have wanted. The Trinity is not something that the clever theologian comes up with as a result of hours spent in the theological laboratory 
after which he or she can return to announce that they've got God all worked out now. The analysis is complete, and here is God, neatly laid out on a slab. The only time they laid God out on a slab, he rose again three days later. How can God be three in one? We don't know. How can God be one in three? We don't know. There's a freedom in that, isn't there? We spend so much time building beliefs, wanting for answers so that we can confidently say what we do know about God, but honesty about what we don't know is just as important. This is a mystery of our faith, and true mysteries can't be solved. They can only be entered and explored. Wyszlawa Zimborska was a Polish poet whose work I reach for often She had a knack for naming the astonishments of everyday life. In 1996, she was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature, and in her acceptance speech, she spoke to the importance of saying, I don't know. If Isaac Newton had never said to himself, I don't know, the apples in his little orchard might have dropped to the ground like hailstones, and at best, he would have stooped down to pick them up and gobble them with gusto. Had my compatriot Marie Sklodowska Curie never said to herself, I don't know, she probably would have wound up teaching chemistry at some private high school for young ladies from good families and would have ended her days performing this otherwise perfectly respectable job. But she kept on saying, I don't know. And these words led her not once, but twice to Stockholm where restless questing spirits are occasionally rewarded with the Nobel Prize. That little phrase, I don't know, is small, but it flies on mighty wings. It expands our lives to include the spaces within us as well as those outer expanses in which our tiny earth hangs suspended. I don't know, a small phrase that flies on mighty wings. What could happen to our faith if we considered the mystery of the Trinity an invitation to say, I don't know? What if this fundamental doctrine of our faith becomes the humbling affirmation and reminder that God will always transcend our grasp because the God we worship doesn't fit neatly into our categories and the God we worship doesn't offer us certainty? But the God we worship does offer love that will keep us safe amid all our doubts and wonderings. A God big enough to withstand our attempts to contain and box in and pin down. A God big enough to encourage us to keep on saying those three little words, I don't know. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one in three and three in one. Great is the mystery of faith. It cannot be solved. So may we all find the courage and the humility to keep saying those three little words, I don't know, trusting that if we enter the mystery of this God who is always beyond our understanding, we will continue to discover new depths and new expressions of God's grace and God's mercy. Great is the mystery of faith. Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace.
have courage, hold on to what is good, return to no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all persons, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day, and always, always. Amen. <laughs>